0: Not there are very few things that you can control when you're coming out, and who you come out to is one of those, and when you come out to them, and that, it's an amazing thing. Check it out.
1: Friends and enemies, lovers and haters, your boy is back. It has been so amazing to be a part of honestly producing someone else's podcast. Even though this is my show, Alexa has done a marvelous job of hosting our LBGTQ Plus series. And I honestly cannot begin to tell you how much I've learned from this experience And I'm really excited. Alexa and I are getting ready to sit down and we're gonna do a full recap of this whole thing. We're gonna talk about what we learned technically, what we learned emotionally and spiritually, and what were the moments that stood out the most to us. So if you haven't subscribed, liked, followed, or do any of that, jump on that now. For those of you who are on the Patreon, you guys will get a rough cut. Pre-release, I'm talking just straight off the streets, hot from the press before it's cleaned up. You know, you got to get that rough cut out, you know, like when you used to pick up CDs at the bodega. I mean, I guess I just dated myself, considering this is a podcast and you guys are listening to this on a streaming service. Those days are gone, so the only way you can get the in is by joining our Patreon. Go to the website, check out the link in our bios, on our social media platforms. We are there. But today I want to introduce Nikki Smith. And funny enough, you just heard Alexa talk to Nikki Smith. So before you listen to this podcast, if you have not listened to Nikki's, I highly recommend you listen to Alexa and Nikki talk and then me in that order. I feel like it's very enlightening to hear two different hosts talk to the same guests from two different worldly views, perspective, two different truths, two different realities. It's going to be different. It's going to be beautiful. Nikki Smith, single-handedly, is probably one of the greatest climbers and most well-known climbers in the industry. She wants to make the world a place where everybody can communicate, can talk, and we can use the skills that we already have as climbers to make this place a more inclusive and better place. If you don't know her name, now you do. Enjoy the episode with Nikki Smith. Check it out. All right um so and just so you kind of ha- have a premise so and i don't know if i sent you this so like my podcast is called sends and suffers mm-hmm. uh the premise of it it's kind of changed recently at first i was like i always want to talk about like the suffering and the sense that people do on the wall and out in the adventurous world but then it as anything you create it kind of has a life of its own mm-hmm. and you don't really get to choose what it does <laughs> very quickly and so now um I kinda landed on this a couple I landed on this a couple of days ago. Um, you know, Sends and Suffers is about is re, the mission of Sends and Suffers is to talk to the adventurous souls that live within this community that we love. I just wanna know about the sending and the suffering that you did that made you who you are today and what and who you are in front of the microphone today. And so um I have followed your work for quite a while, uh, as long as I guess as long as social media's been a thing. Um, and, um, you know, you are, and I, and I'm, I feel weird saying this because I think about it. If I was in your position, I would hate it, but in my community, especially at Dallas and the LBG two plus community, you're a hero for a lot of people and they love you. Uh, a friend of mine, actually Alexa, I think is probably going to be reaching out to you probably pretty soon. And, uh, so I'm just really honestly psyched and honored to meet you because I think you're just a rad individual and a rad human being just to begin with and I think all your accolades and I've read a lot of the stuff and I was actually listening to the podcast that you did with uh She Explores uh on the way here and you know I um I don't know I just I think you're an awesome person and I think it's more of a privilege just for me to be near you and soak up your magical vibes that you're just blasting out into the universe and so I want to take as much of them. Um, but I want to go ahead and start this thing and as much as I just talked about you, I'm not gonna assume everybody listening to this podcast knows you, but I think if anybody who's really into rock climbing and actually respects the sport and loves the sport to the deepest core should know you. But who are you? Where are you from and what is your connection to the outdoors?
2: No, I'm
0: having a hard time.
1: <laughs> Thanks. That was really nice.
0: Uh I'm Nikki Smith and I've been climbing since 1992 in Portland, Oregon and then I think I lived there maybe a year and my dad got a job for the BLM Bureau of Land Management mm-hmm. and we moved to Moab, Utah and we were there for a couple years and we moved to the Salt Lake Valley and was here 'til I was about ten or so and then we moved about forty five minutes from Salt Lake to the Ogden area. Okay. And I was there until um until eighteen when I joined the army and left for about three years and moved back to Salt Lake in ninety seven and I've been here ever since. Um nice.
1: And so you, we, as we were talking right before, you spent a little time in Texas, and I don't want to go too far and back and forth, but that is where you met your wife, correct? Yeah, nice. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about like that story? Because everything I've read, like you, you, it just says you've met her. I didn't really like. I was kind of like, how did these two comets collide?
0: Yeah, so I was stationed at Fort Hood in Central Texas, mm-hmm. About in four hour drive from Dallas hour and a half or so from Austin Mm -hmm. and I was I was single living on on the base or post and I was just always trying to find someone to go climbing with go mountain biking with do things and was having a really hard time with that and I went to I grew up in Utah um grew up mormon and wasn't really a part of the church in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um, stopped going in my teens after my father died and when i was in the army i figured well if i go back to church most likely i'll meet people from utah if i meet people from utah they might be into the outdoors and i'll find some people to do something with so i started just going to some of the like single adult activities and I went to this volleyball game. Um, I think I don't remember what it was. The week before that, or two, I first saw my wife Sherry, and she was gorgeous. And like,
1: she didn't notice me at all. Yeah. I think that's pretty par for the course when you find the person that you like. They're like, either they're just like going by, and you're just like, stop, starstruck.
0: Yeah, yeah. So like noticed her but then um, didn't see her for a couple weeks and we were both at um, a thing two three weeks later it was a volleyball game Mm -hmm. and she actually came up and started talking to me and gave her a ride home that night and we went on a date a few days later and
1: never stopped dating that's awesome so she did notice you then if she came up to you
0: she kind of noticed me the first time and it wasn't the best impression. <laughs> I was wearing a tank top and she hated tank
1: tops. Uh, that was about, yeah. I was about so. to ask you to unpack that, but that's fair. I hate yeah. wearing them, so I generally avoid them myself, but that's fair. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah, beautiful. So we,
0: we were married really quickly. Um, she was visiting. She had graduated um, from a college with her associates and was going to start uh, at a new school, um, that end of that summer and she went out to visit her sister and she never left. Like we just started dating and just, I think we were engaged in three months,
1: married in six. Oh wow. So really fast. Really? Well, I mean, you guys are still together to this day, so yeah. I mean, it's, it's beautiful. Been
0: 20, March was 25 years.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. That's beautiful. Yeah. So um, kind of moving into about kind of a little bit of your climbing accolades, I was actually just talking to Cody uh, a couple, like literally maybe 72 hours ago. Uh And I'm like, as someone who aspires to be a developer of of your class and abilities and skills and as fast as you do it, I was just chuckling about something that Cody had said, because I knew what you were going to say before he even spit it out. And he had mentioned that you had both of these lines and that, and an entire column had come down or something had really recently just fallen. And before the words even came out of his mouth, his mouth of what you he said, what you said, you're like, Oh, now there's new lines to bolt. And I was sitting there thinking about it. Like the moment he says the rock fell, I was like, Oh, Oh, new roots, new projects. And I don't know. It's just, It. I think this is something that was recently said, well, also said on um, uh, Alex Honnold's podcast, Climbing Gold, too. They talked to someone about developing roots. And I guess the question that I really have for you, or I'd like you to kind of talk about is, do you see a separation between rock climbing and developing roots? Because I think in the modern day, people look at root developers as like this, like, this is what you do. And then, but I think for an actual person who develops them or coming from a certain generation or group or stewardship or whoever trained you, like it's just climbing. It's it's like, it's a part of it. It's not this, I don't know, it's not this thing. And so I guess honestly, like what my question to you is like really what drives you and like, why do you do, why, I mean, why do you want to do it? You could just go rock climb. I mean, don't be me wrong. And I'm sure you've answered this a billion times, but I'm just thinking about it.
0: Yeah, I think some of it I'm sure has to do with when I started climbing in the early 90s. I mean, in in the U.S., people have been climbing for quite a while, but the boom really happened, you know, with the golden era in Yosemite in the 50s and 60s Mm -hmm. um, with first ascents and just kind of really pushing the sport and the equipment and growing all that. And if you were a climber, you did first ascents because there wasn't established routes. Um, There weren't guidebooks. And so all of that was just a part of the tradition, I think, when I started. And, you know, the first videos and magazines and that that I saw of climbers, like everything was about first ascents. That was just such a big part of it and
2: yeah.
0: I'd go out into the hills in the Ogden area and there was a really famous climber Jeff Lowe who used to live there and I would find these old pins in random places that weren't in the little pamphlet guidebook at the time and everyone's like oh yeah that's probably a, a low route and that's awesome. that was just fascinating to me and I, I loved exploring and just going out by myself and finding places, and then I always wanted to do a first ascent, but I wasn't you know, quite ready for that. I started at 16. Okay. So it, it took a little while, um, and once I felt like I was ready for it, it's, it can be a commitment a lot of times because drills is expensive, bolting hardware is expensive. Even if you're doing trad first ascents, um, the amount of time it takes to clean something – all the gear you need to be out there partners that are willing to put up with going out for days sometimes few between yeah i mean like for long crack multi-pitches i carry a ice axe on my harness and use that to scrape dirt and stuff out of the cracks you know like it's just so much time and energy and not everyone's wanting to do that or has the time to do that yeah but it's It's there's an artistic part too. I know a lot of people, there's always been this idea of conquering things and climbing and I've never really viewed it that way. It's always been something kind of really personal to me and being able to just hike around and look at some cliff face or look at this mountain and envisioning this line and thinking about how can I piece that together? Like there's this Cool Waco, like sixty feet up, like how can I get to that and past it, or whatever the feature might be and i I just love that process of of envisioning something and trying to create it, and then having to push myself to meet whatever that is on the wall, like it might be something easy and it's just a beautiful aesthetic yeah. line, maybe i it's something I just want to give back to the community and bolt easier stuff. And then sometimes there's things that like, I really want to challenge myself and do something hard. And it's just trying to figure out how to put it all together. can yeah. be really cool.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. I've pulled, I I put up a couple of lines and my friends have asked me that and I was like, it's kind of blue collar, dirty work when you're getting into it, especially when you're cleaning but there's like this Zen state where you kind of, I don't know. I feel like it's, this is a weirdly weird the way to say this. and I don't know if you would agree, but I feel like when you're in the process of it, you're dumping off the hard drive is not, like, you're just deleting stuff off the hard drive and you're making room for other things because you have to be so present because you can't be anywhere else. Like you really just like for your own personal safety and sanity, I don't think you can be anywhere else. That's awesome. So, do you have anything coming up that you're like excited about or you're, you're trying to do? I mean, if it's hush hush, that's fine.
0: But... Uh, no, like I try not to keep stuff too secret. Fair enough. Um, I've got a couple lines that are, they're both mixed lines um, rock and or bolts and gear. And I started bolting both of them a while ago, and they've, I've had a lot of elbow issues, and then. Other things going on in my life lately that kind of kept me away from it. So I'm hoping to go back to those and start working those this year. And then I don't know. I have folders full of potential first ascents. Like I, I take photo I'm, because I'm a photographer. I always yep. have my camera, and so I'll zoom in on something and like write notes about it or. If in my guidebooks, often have notes for photography and for potential first ascents, um, just things to go back to. And I've got a lot of things I want to do. I think some of it's just getting the motivation to go out there and finding uh, people to go with.
1: Uh, Yeah, I know your feeling. And Texas is very different because there's no such thing as public land. Mm -hmm. So I have GPS pins. I have about 120 of them dropped around the state. And um I have been going out there and just doing the same thing taking photos or uh what I like to call the modern reconning is I pre-program my drone to fly out there as fast as possible cuz it only has one little battery. Uh-huh. Uh take a bunch of photos, do like a circle, take a photos and fly back and then I look at the photos and I'm like okay, then this is worth me trekking out here. And I'm probably slowly shooting myself in the foot by saying this on this thing, but then I usually always hike out there and I'll have ranchers come up to me, gun in hand or things like that. And they're like, what are you doing out here? And I'll be like, oh, I'm just here shooting photos for National Geographic. And they're like, oh, is my ranch going to be in National Geographic? I was like, sure, maybe. I'm just taking a picture of this mountain range. And they look at me like I'm crazy. But I do emphasize with you of like having like just a tick list of things that like I I want to see get done and it's like there's just not enough time in the universe to get it done yeah yeah um I know you are aspiring to do some things with the AMGA what are you are you working towards a particular goal as far as certifications and all this other stuff going on
0: no no so I started guiding in 99 it was Eczema of Utah at the time now okay. it's Utah Mountain Adventures and I guided through college and stopped once I started working full-time. And then I teach at a lot of the ice climbing festivals and rock Mm -hmm. climbing festivals, either ice climbing or uh, climbing photography is typically what I do in the summer fests. Okay. But after I came out as trans, um, it was really apparent that there were just... I searched for years to try to find anyone like me and couldn't. Yeah. And it made me feel like I didn't belong or wouldn't be able to be belong. And so it's been very important to me to really build community. And I first started at a lot of the ice fests trying to make um have language in there that My classes were queer friendly or LGBTQIA2S plus friendly. Mm -hmm. Then I started evolving that into like queer trans specific classes. But the problem is, is these fests are often in rural areas. Yes, Um, they're can be hard to get to. They can be expensive, and a lot of people from the trans or queer community are like. There's no way in hell I'm driving or flying across the country to go to Bozeman, Montana, or to Lander, Wyoming, or wherever it might be. I mean, they're already afraid living in their own town. Yeah, yeah. And so to go somewhere new is really difficult. So I decided that in addition to that, I wanted to start creating um, or partnering with guide services all across the country and be able to go out to areas that typically don't have fests or don't have a queer climbing club or group and do an event. Um, might be just a weekend thing. It Mm -hmm. could be a multi-day thing, just depending on the situation. And in order to do that, most insurances for guide services require that you have AMGA certification. Uh. And... So I'm not interested in getting pinned with my F- IFMGA. I don't want to be a full time guide, but I need to be able to to work with my community. Yeah, and so that means going through a lot of the courses to at least get to a certain point where I can create the programming that I that I want. Yeah, and that makes sense. Hopefully, the goal is is in partnering with these guide services that they can see that. There are people who want to take courses like this and that it's worth hiring queer guides uh, in the future to keep these programs going um, and then build community i've seen as i've gone out to areas and done slideshows or events that you'll have five or six trans people in the audience in some areas and then a lot of other queer people and most of them didn't know each other. They didn't know that each other existed in that area and they get a meet and then all of a sudden, a month later, there's a queer climbing club in that area.
1: That's pretty and cool.
0: It's amazing. That's real cool. I like to be able to help do that. And so I wanna, I wanna use my certifications through the AMGA and guiding to do that exact same thing. Like once that foundation is created, then other people can step in and, you know, take over in that area, which is kind of why I worked with Mountain Hardware and the AMGA to create the LGBTQIA2S plus single pitch instructor course. Mm -hmm. And we just had the second one this year. And, you know, out of all the SPI providers, there's one person who can teach that course. There just aren't that many out queer uh, wow. guides
1: and what has that needs to change what do you I, mean, I guess you know it's probably a very simple question but like personally like what has this done for you like i guess looking forward in the future i mean you've already made such a big impact with starting this and moving forward this but like i don't know like you think about you do sometimes you do some epic shit sometimes or you get a feeling and you just wake up the next day and like do you feel like I guess like another piece of the puzzle of the outer thing has just kind of been filled in? Like what as you've seen this to come to fruition, like what is this doing for you?
0: Uh I wish it was a simple answer. Unfortunately, I don't feel that it is. I think it's very complex. Okay. Um when we first met this morning, you know you talked about all these people who knew me and had mentioned how important I was to them, and I get messages from trans and queer people every week now, and it's exactly what I wanted to do I wanted to be put myself in a position to where I could be the person that I didn't have, yeah, and hopefully help someone avoid the dark suicidal areas that I I went into because I yeah. didn't think I belonged or would be accepted and that's huge but then on the other side of that you have so many people who hate you for it and constantly attack you for it and so even though I get these amazing messages in my DMs or people reaching out to me I also get the hate yeah. in there and every time a company post about me there's hate posted on there um it's funny and so it's hard like it's it's amazing and i'm so happy and glad that i'm in this position and it's a huge privilege to have the platform that i do mm-hmm. and the reach that i do but it also puts a target on my back yeah and it's even if I didn't have that, my day-to-day still walking around, I'm very conscious of where I go and when I go yeah. someplace. I'm very careful all the time because my wife and I have been followed and harassed in Salt Lake. We've. I've had things thrown at me. I've had been threatened in a lot of different ways i've had people try to get physical um, with me and it's it's really scary and then you add on being very visible and bringing more people to you and it can it can be draining
2: yeah
1: strength is Um, in numbers though it's funny i was uh I was thinking about something that you, when you were describing these events, that was real powerful to me, Um, you know, it's very powerful when you only, the beauty of being black is the the beauty and the curse of being black is it's seen, it's easy being seen and you can identify with others in the room because it's easily being seen. And you have this instant gratification. You have this instant, like, I see you, you see me, I identify with you. We are undeniable because in this sea of vanilla, you know, we're just this random chocolate chip that's just standing out. And in your case, I thought it was very beautiful that you've talked about being in a room and there's a bunch of LBGT plus people and trans, and they all stand up, and you're just, or like, they all just realize that they all existed, and it reminds me of, you know, I kind of told you, I'm hearing impaired, I wear hearing aids, and it's one of those things that I I have to tell people every time they're new, hired at my job, and I don't mind telling people, but it's an invisible, we call this an an invisible disease, it's like being blind, it's like you don't know until you actually talk to someone, Mm -hmm. and I think in the situation when I really thought about it, it's like, man, it's like, The big thing is, it's just talking to someone and really putting yourself out there. But I can also see how terrifying it really is. But how, how beautifully blissed or how much, how overwhelmingly joyful it must be to like all of a sudden discover that you have community in a room. And like, that's just magical. And I was just thinking about it in that perspective of like, I have it instantly when I see it. But like, how beautiful would it be just to know that like, Oh, I'm not alone. And, you know, hopefully this community wants to gather and wants to get together. And, um, I don't know. I always like to say this statement and this is not the, do you ever, do you follow comedians in any way, shape or form? Yeah. Okay. This person is not the greatest person in the world, especially in this, in this, in the context of what we're talking about. But Cal Williams always says, he was like, listen, boo boo, if you have haters, let them hate. Because that means you're doing something fucking fabulous in life. And you go on with your bad self. Shit. You know, and I want to add on to that, you know, as you build up your crew, let them hate. They're going to hate all they want to. Because it only means that you're doing the right thing. And it only means that you're bringing goodness and things into this community and into this world that need to be. And people are just scared of change. And they're just, you know, and it's like no one wants... I don't know. I argue this all the time, like with the argument of like racist root names and that. No one's changing the rock. Like the roots are still the same. Like nothing else is changing. We're just making it a much more beautifully inclusive place. And so, thank you for that work. Oh, thanks. It's 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 magical, and I'm like super excited. It's yeah. It can be beautiful.
0: And then I'm sure you've had this experience, like it's beautiful and then it's also heartbreaking in a way oh, yeah. that it's 2021 and we're still having these issues with people not wanting to change racist root names uh, yeah they're still not accepting people for who they are and who they love like
1: yeah i mean but also think about it was it 1970 i think it was 1971 1973, somewhere between 1971 and 1973, the first woman won, won the, ran the Boston Marathon. Yeah. And she put her initials down because there was nowhere to put gender. And then director tried to like Pulled assault her, her. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that long ago, you yeah. know, and I was talking to my mom about this. My mom was like, she's like, you got to remember, I remember when they bus kids in in the National Guard was happening she's like i remember that i remember being a kid watching this and i'm like like these it's so ironic no i not ironic is the wrong word it's so oh God damn. i'm like caught between saying it's like ironic but it also it's also a very understandable based on the premise of like how people are the nature mm-hmm. of human beings and everything else like like it wasn't that long ago, so it makes sense to me that these people are still around. It's like if you watch like old videos from the '80s, and like there's this video that was on social media a couple months ago, and I'll never forget it. It was just like, but it just it reminds me a l- not to the it's this extreme, but it reminds me a little bit of my upbringing. But this black girl's just walking. These kids are just trying to ride. No, black girl, black group of girls are riding their bikes. are trying to go to McDonald's in this white neighborhood, and all these kids are just saying racial slurs, stopping them, yelling them, telling them they gotta get out of here. And I think this was like 1988, 1989. And I'm like, these people are in their late 50s, early 60s, like these people are still around. Yeah. Like it's not, you know, and it's like if you look at career politicians, most career politicians were around during civil rights. They were still around. They watch assassinations, murder, looting. They watched, you know, people being, God, they watched it all. And don't give two shits. Yeah, You know, I mean, I'm speaking mainly of the senators because, like, you can be eight years, a career, and you can be a career senator. I mean, that's personally found this out there. That's why I think there should be term limits. Mm -hmm. But, um. These people are still around, and I think it's mind-blowing. And, you know, I, I'm i just, I commend you, and I think, you know, I just think of, you know, if you have people hating on you, it just means because you're fucking fabulous. So just go on with your bad self, boo-boo. Uh-huh. And then, I don't know, this is this stupid, stupid meme that always shows up in my feed, but I think of, like, Sonic the Hedgehog.
0: Uh-huh.
1: He, this meme of this kid wearing it, and I don't, I, I, don't, I think it's Macaulay Culkin. Uh, or the kid from Home Alone, or someone who looks like him, but the meme always said he's like the problem with being faster than the speed of light is you're always in the darkness, and it just you know it's silly, but it what you were talking about just made that meme resonate in my head, and I think yeah. this is so weird too that we're at a time in life where memes can be brought into major conversations. It's amazing how much a meme can convey. <laughs> good uh but based on that statement you know i think you know i just want you to know from you know as far as representing my community community and whatever else i represent my hood in texas you know i support you unequivocally and i'm once again i'm like honored to soak in your intergalactic vibes that you're putting out in the universe here today i think it's i think it's just fucking cool as shit
2: oh um,
1: thanks I, I just, I'm just really super proud of you and I'm like super, I don't, I mean, I know this is the first time we met and it's really weird for me to say that, but I'm like super amped and uh, you know, and then I also aspire to have your uh, climbing guidebook accolades too. That's like big goal, big, 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 big goal, but I got to like a lot of, I have a lot of catching up to do, but I'm running as fast as I can, not the speed of light, but I'm getting close. Uh, Guidebooks
0: never at the speed of light. No. It's a slow, painful process.
1: Yeah, I am learning that slowly. Um, I'm trying to be, as far as I know, I don't know of anyone who done this, but I'm working on a project and I'm trying to raise money for a little documentary, but I, I want to rewrite a guidebook that Uh hasn't been rewritten in 20 to 30 years and as far as i know i don't know of any minorities that have ever written a guidebook and i i'm sure someone's done it i'm sure someone has written some form of it maybe not in rock climbing but i'm sure someone has written one uh but that is like my aspiration so i would maybe after this um or even during this but i just really want to pick your brain and kind of get some advice i know it's a grueling process and it's like a little bit of what i've already done
0: yeah be happy to
1: beautiful um is there you know i really i'm very serious when i like to tell people like this is your show as much as it is mine and you know my platform is your platform your platform is like the size of jupiter um let's just be honest but um you know i it most of my listener base is in texas So it's very different. It's we were much like Utah. Um, If there is, I guess, like a message saying or kind of a message of support to give anybody, is there anything that you would want to say or resources or recommend someone, someone where to go, even if it's getting in touch with you, obviously through social, but like if someone's looking to get outdoors and let's just not like limit to rock climbing, let's just say like in general, like where should one start?
0: I think overall, I guess what I'd say, you know, for someone who is queer, or trans, like, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. There are so many more of us out there than you think. And on that same note, to other climbers and outdoor folks, you have to remember just like with you having a disability that's invisible, people didn't know I was trans most of my life. like. I kept that hidden from everyone and did everything I could to hide that. And because of that, I sat and listened to my climbing partners, my friends, my family, co-workers, all say really horrible things about trans or queer people. Um, I took note every time someone said something and my friends around me stayed silent.
2: Mm Mm-hmm
0: we're listening because we have been so afraid because of everything going on in society and still going on
2: yeah
0: um you know there's 150 bills right now that are against trans people in the US that are some in one part of legislation or another right now there is real danger for people to come out and if you're living in an area, especially a conservative area like Texas. Yeah. It's really important if you are supportive of trans or queer people that you show that. Because we're listening. We're watching. It might be your best friend. It might be your coworker, It might be your brother or sister. You have no idea. And we're taking note of everything people say. And using that to evaluate, rightly or wrongly, whether it's going to be safe for us to come out.
2: Yeah.
0: Having my friends be there for me when I came out to them and be supportive was what allowed me to keep going. I was so suicidal and hated myself for being who I was. Couldn't accept it. And the more friends that I came out to that told me they still loved me and they would be there for me that gave me the strength and courage to go on and everyone out there can be that for someone like you have so much more power than you think to support someone when someone comes out to you if they come out to you you know everyone knows what coming out means or they think they do but I don't think people realize the significance of that like I hid who I was. I knew who I was at five years old, and I hid that until I was in my 40s. I was so ashamed of that, so afraid of that. And so for me to come out to people, that was my deepest, darkest secret. The thing I almost killed myself over. And the fact that I trusted someone enough to reveal that and share that with them that's meaningful to me. That means I trust that person. I care about that person enough to do that. And I think people should take that a little more seriously. Yeah. Um, we, my wife and I had someone who didn't take it seriously enough. And she started telling other people. And luckily, I was in a place where I could deal with that but if it had been a few months earlier I might not be here anymore because I wasn't ready for people everyone outside of who I chose to know there are very few things that you can control when you're coming out yeah and who you come out to is one of those and when you come out to them and that it's an amazing thing and I think most people in their life will probably have an opportunity to be in that situation on the receiving end of someone coming out to them of standing up for someone who's queer. I mean, it shouldn't just be someone who's queer. You should stand up for everyone who, Amen. who needs it. But people are watching and you, you just never know who that is. And so I'd, just say anytime you have a chance when co-workers, friends, or family are saying something negative, stand up, say Mm -hmm. something, do Mm -hmm. something, be there for someone who needs it. It can make a huge difference, more than people will realize. And um, as far as like climbing community, hiking community, When there are people who haven't felt safe or welcome coming out to events, you know, like a lot of times we we go into the climbing gym and we just want to train, like we want to climb, and you kind of ignore everyone or everything. But you got to remember that like, some people are so afraid of going into the gym in the first place because they might be the only black person in there. Oh, yeah. They're probably going to be the only trans person in there or whatever it might be, and there's... There's a lot of discomfort, and rightly so, from that. Like, there's I've been harassed in climbing gyms, I'm afraid of using the bathrooms in climbing gyms, the changing rooms. Someone just looking up and smiling and saying hello can make a huge difference in feeling welcome.
2: Yeah,
0: it's like a lot of times I'll go into a gym, and everyone's so focused, and it's not that anyone is necessarily trying to be rude but then you do have the people who are being rude in there and no one else says or does anything or says hello. And you're like, wow, like I don't know that I want to come back to this place. Yeah. And that same thing could happen on the trail if you're into wanting to get into hiking. So just knowing that you're being welcoming and accepting to someone can make all the difference in whether they return to the sport or not. And so I think really keeping that in mind, thinking about how much it took for someone who's different from what society expects an outdoors person to be, to show up, can be huge for them. Yeah, I mean, support them in a way that's not patronizing or tokenizing. Yeah, uh, but just welcoming and being supportive, saying hello, smiling that can go a long way
1: i would agree i would definitely agree i think i was talking to um a friend of mine yesterday and it's funny you talk about taking note and i do this a lot and so being hearing impaired um people always ask me like oh you can rip li- li- lip read and i'm like mm, not really i mean i can read the basics you know f u this you know the n bomb i mean i recognize those mm-hmm. you know you know, but what I read more than anything else is people's eyebrows. Like their eyes say a lot. People's eyes, like they say, eyes are in the window to the soul. I say eyes are a billboard, and I can always tell when I go into a small town when they look at me. People's eyebrows, or eyes and eyebrows and eyelashes in the the brow of their head, will always move in a way that is either distasteful or taste, or they're like, oh, this just just another human being. yeah, And that's like the easiest way I can definitely tell. So I definitely agree with you in the sentiment of taking note. Like that is a big part of just like walking around and navigating these spaces, especially in rural areas. And I have, you know, I'm, I think I'm very blessed with this mentality and this nature. I've always had I don't want to say thick skin, but I've always kind of had like a fuck you attitude. I deserve to be here and I can be here if I want to. My taxes pay for this. And so I've always gone places, but there are definitely moments where I'm like, all right, I got like a 15 minute window. So I need to just like recon, do what I got to do and then get out before Mm -hmm. things could potentially get nasty. Yeah, And I think it's just, it is it is a different world that you're navigating and coming out. I mean, Jesus Christ, that's like realizing the sky. You've thought the sky was purple. You've lied to yourself and told the sky is purple your whole life. And then you're finally admitting, not admitting, but you're finally just like telling everybody else, okay, the sky is blue. And I know it's a very terrible example, but it's, I can't even begin to imagine it. Like I just can't, like, I don't, I don't think that's something I'll ever truly understand, but I'm happy to support. And I, I, I guess I have a question and I've had someone say this before and I don't know if this is something that you would rather or rather not, or is it kind of neutral, but I've definitely had friends who say they support other people, but their argument is, is like, I don't agree, but I respect. And they're like, and I find that as a very interesting statement and it's like, I don't agree with it but they are a human being. They deserve respect and they were deserve to be heard and they deserve this. And like, I guess like, is that, okay? is that, I don't want to say better than nothing because the other end of the stick, is real bad. Mm-hmm. So like, how does that make you feel? What is your thoughts on that?
2: It's better than nothing. Yeah. Um,
0: the version of it that we have here with like the Mormon church or throughout Christianity is love the sinner, hate the sin type. Oh yeah. I've heard that one. That one's good. That one's good. The same type of thing. Like I'm the same person I was that everyone, that everyone thought I was years Mm -hmm. ago. I just had to pretend and keep pretending to be someone everyone else wanted me to nothing about me as a person changed except I let everyone else in and I accepted who I was. Mm. I finally found love for myself. I hated who I was. I yeah. never felt even with my wife, like I never felt like I was worthy or worth her love. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way now. My, coming out allowed me to be i guess more of myself visibly mm-hmm. but i'm still the exact same person that i was before so when someone says they don't agree what do you don't what don't you agree with that someone can find and be happy with who they are yeah. and express that that someone is able to love someone yeah they can find a partner that loves them back and they can have a beautiful life together. They can be happy. Yeah. How do you not agree with that?
1: Yeah, no. Like,
0: that's that's definitely a hard thing. I mean, we are who we are. Like, yeah. You know, and it's not shown a lot, but, I mean, there's so much medical research that shows that, you know, trans and queer people are born this way, there's, like, there's no doubt from, from the medical resources and research, you know, that's just a part of life. We've always been here, regardless mm-hmm. of what the narrative is that maybe trans is a new thing or whatever. No, and it's been around for centuries. For sure, and there's a lot around. of reasons why people think that that are based on society, but what is there to disagree with? A yeah. human being, being themselves, loving themselves, being happy—why shouldn't we want that for everyone? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what what is there to disagree about?
2: Yeah, that's the hard thing for me with that statement. Is yeah, it just doesn't make sense.
0: Like, why wouldn't you want someone to be happy and healthy and?
2: And a more functioning, positive person. Yeah, no,
1: no, I think it's, I I mean, I definitely agree with you and I think it's right. I think the hard part about it is, is like, and I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. So, um, I think, you know, you can't change. People have to want to change their mind and have to want, and I think this is like the slow way, and even I'm guilty of it too, because until I understood a lot more and until I actually went out of my way and started becoming befriending more trans people, but actually just having sitting down and having Alexa, uh, prime example, like just sitting out and having a conversation with her and just like, okay, like I just like I want to know who you are, like what's going on here, and like just we're just not. Like what you're going through, just you as an individual and you as a person, you know, your passion, your loves, your desires, you know. And I think it's really hard because, as you said, love the sinner, uh, love the sinner, not the sin, is in their minds. And people can't, I think, I don't think people can separate the two. And I think the big thing is it's like, well, this, like, well, respecting, are not disagreeing with you, or not, not, what am I looking for? It's like this statement, and it's like, if you cannot, and this is where, and I'll admit I had to learn this, but like, if I cannot empathize with you, if I cannot accept you, what is it? If I cannot accept what you're going through if i cannot accept and help you maybe not necessarily help but if i can't empathize and be supportive of you then i don't i don't have trans friends i know trans people and mm-hmm. the black community like if you can't understand the black struggle if you can't understand you cannot empathize with everything that's going on and you cannot really feel and let your heart go out to what's going on and want to see something better and make a change and going the same for both for both of us may want to make a change in some capacity that you are willing and comfortable. You don't have black friends. You know black people.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think that's like the thing that's really a hard pill to swallow. Like, you know, it's like you have to be one willing to step out and really just get uncomfortable and accept that like, accept that either what I believe is wrong or I'm going to openly just deny the reality of this person that's in my life and I think it's really really hard and I think that's why people draw a line and once again I've, I've been guilty of this um, they draw a line where it's like well I'm not for it but I'm not going to get in the way of it you know, and I think the issue is, is like, if you're not for it, you're against it and you have to be willing to help it, you know, in regard, and everyone is different. Everyone is, I'm not saying everyone needs to get out there and start marching. I'm not saying everyone needs to get out there and, you know, buy a pride flag. I'm not, am not saying that, but like in your own particular way, you have to figure out how can you stand up and support the people that you love or support the people that are in your community that you want it and you want to see the best in your community. And I think, I think that's the like the really, really, really hard part. And I think that was the chagrimming thing for me coming into the realization of this. It's like, this is much more complicated.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely true. Like for so many in my friend network, my professional network, I'm the first openly trans person that they've ever met. And that's changed a lot of things for them. The hard thing with it, and, you know, as humans and how we've been socialized, we do often have to have connections in order to better understand or even think about some of these issues. You know, we, we get very narrowly focused based on who's around us and the issues going on in our own area. And, it's hard to understand how some of these issues affect someone else that's, you know, a state or two away or whatever it might be. And as more people come out, families are having to deal with it. Friends, co-workers are having to look at this. Um, The hard thing, though, and one of the things, like, I try to push people who follow me, if you're only following me as your only example of a trans friend or trans person you're not getting the full experience i'm super privileged in my trans experience you know i'm i'm white i'm middle class i have pretty privilege i had the funds uh, to to have surgeries you know i i look presentable you know in a way that people are like oh she doesn't look like what we pictured a trans woman looking like Mm -hmm. like I've had all sorts of comments like that you know and and so by following me only or following anyone from any group who's been historically marginalized you're still not getting the full picture you're getting the picture of what it is to be trans for that one person in that one area that they're in in that one region town sport whatever it might be and Often that can lead, you know. There's always. I'm sure you've heard this. Oh well, you're, you're not totally black. Like you're, you're okay.
1: You're. you're oh yeah. Different from everyone else. I oh, have. Yeah. I've gotten that my entire life. Everyone's like, you don't really seem black. Yeah. And I've, that's happened my entire life.
0: Yeah. And like I get that. Like, oh well, you don't really seem like you're queer, or like you, you're different than other trans people, and like.
1: No, no. No. No, no, we're we're all the same. It's just We're all the same and we're all different.
0: Yeah. Like yeah, I am different than other trans people and I'm the same as other trans people, like we all are. Like oh, yeah. There there's no monolith in being black. There's no monolith in being trans. There's no monolith in being Latinx, like whatever it might be. We're all still very different and we all have different experiences and to really understand you have to first start with with understanding that the one person you're friends with isn't the full experience and starting there is a good that's a good starting point having a friend someone you care about but if you really want to understand you need to start looking at what the experience is like for others like them in other places yeah. what is it like to be a black trans woman in the south where This year, there have been more than 10 black trans women murdered already. Last year, there was over 40 um, trans people murdered, and the majority of them were black trans women. You know, so I'm always afraid. I have issues, but I still go most places that I want. I still am able to do a lot of things because I'm white. Mm -hmm. And so if we base our policies for climbing gyms or how we welcome people based on some of the things that I experience, we're still leaving other people out. No, I agree. Because we don't fully understand
1: what they're going through to the extent. And I just thought of a funny little campaign, and my buddy uh, Devin Dabney, who raps about climbing and a bunch of other stuff and social justice, but I don't want to give it away, but his podcast, the American Climbing Podcast, drops pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, it's coming up in, I believe in Jen, but, um, he's making a thing about this. But when you were talking about people like you on their social media feed being the only trans person, I'm like, you are the equivalent of the black square. Like, you know, and I thought it's just in my mind, just for shits and giggles, it'd be very comical that if you made your own version of a trans square and just made fun of it for people, be like, don't follow me, follow my trans square profile. And then you can post this trans square, and then you can feel like you're satisfied and you can feel good about yourself, but don't follow me because you're wasting space on the internet. So I don't know, it just made me chuckle just thinking about it.
0: Yeah. It's hard because we do want them to follow. We do want them to at least start
1: somewhere. I get. No, I agree.
0: We also have to know that it's not enough. Following one person is not enough. Posting a black square is not not enough. enough. No, it's like donating to one charity once a year is.
1: No, it involves boots on the ground. Involve, you know, and boots on the ground might look different to different people, but Mm -hmm. like it. I guess the best way to say it is, it involves sweat equity. Yeah, that's that's the only way to put it. It's got to be some form of sweat equity, mm-hmm. you know. And you need to determine what that sweat equity is to you. And then you need to determine. And then once you determine it, what that is, that th- that sweat equity that you have determined is probably what makes you comfortable. Everything that we all want in life, everything that we want to see happen for others ourselves is just outside of our comfort zone that is a fact of life and that is something that I teach the kids that I coach all the time like every single thing we all want in life is just outside of our comfort zone and whether you want it for yourself your friends your family your community the world at large it's just outside of your comfort zone and you have to just you know I've never been one of like dip of my toe in the water kind of approach to a pool. I'm just like, just just splash in and let's just get this over with. and we can just play, you know, uh-huh. it's like, people always ask me why are you only hiking Chacos? I'm like, I don't want to have to like go through the whole process. I just want to burrow through the water and get to the crag. Like, let's just keep moving. Like, let's just put the work in. Uh-huh. That's a weird analogy. I don't know why I popped in my head, but.
0: Well, the thing to think about, you know, everyone makes some of this out to be a big deal. And it, it, it is. It It's uncomfortable work. It's hard to start relearning things. Mm-hmm. But we've all done that as climbers. We've all done that as outdoor people. Oh, like, yeah. We
1: have the toolkits.
0: Like you often start off, especially now, maybe you start off, you go to the climbing gym and you start learning all about climbing through that. And then you go outside for the first time and you start learning that, then maybe you start track climbing, and then maybe you go to bigger mountains, and then maybe you look at guiding, you take your wilderness first responder course, like there's all these things you continually add and build on. You start in one place, and, you know, we're climbers. You can usually walk around to the top of the cliff. You can take the easier hiking trail to the top of the mountain, rather than taking the vertical face on there. We choose as climbers to take the most difficult path for us yeah no we do so why do we get stuck in this idea that social justice issues are so difficult and so scary and that we should be able to read a book and figure it out like this is an ongoing red point that you're going to be working on a project for the rest of your life it's constantly changing evolving and you're learning but like we have chosen that path yeah. with our pastime. We t- we can choose to do that. Yeah, we for as climbers.
1: Issues. When it comes to these social issues, we as climbers turn into the hikers that are like, "Why are you guys carrying those mattresses on your back? You know, you could just walk around to the backside and get up there real easy." But when it comes to rock climbing, that's it. You know, it's funny you describe that as 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 the macro level of it and i want to really break it down and let's continue to use climbing as the analogy let's go down to the micro well
0: it's a climbing podcast it is
1: it is it is it's about the soul of climbing we go all the way out but um so like the micro level of this is you know we're talking about people getting uncomfortable and really kind of like helping out the same thing happens when you project like we have the toolkits for this like Mm -hmm. think about what happens to your project you do so, you do a move, you fall, you probably feel pretty stupid because you didn't see a foot or you didn't see something there. You get up, you feel good, you make some progress, you fall again. This time you're getting used to getting slapped around a little bit, but you're probably still going to feel stupid along the way that way. And the same process is involved where when you are starting to fight for people that want to exist within your community, when you don't know what to do, you're probably going to feel a little stupid but you but as long as you show up and start the conversation people are accepting people understand that you don't know people don't expect you to know if you did know then well if you did know then we would be like what the fuck are you doing why, why where have you been asshole where have you been but no no one's like that because we're all getting smacked off this project on a regular basis now if you're listening to this pro- podcast and you have never ever 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 project in your life Boo-boo, you are missing out on the most joyful suffering of your entire life because I see you cheesing over here because you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the most beautiful, anguishing, gut-wrenching experience ever, projecting. I'm just like, But so is this. And I think that's the thing is, is, like, we all have the appropriate toolkits to be successful at this. These are just Mm -hmm. muscles, mentally- physically, emotionally, and in our gut that we have not really flexed a lot. Yeah. And so I think it's like, you know, this is not one of those things that you can just like there's no cheat beta. There's no cheat beta for this route. It's like it's real direct.
0: Yep. Definitely.
1: Yeah. I want to thank you so much for letting me in your home, in your space. And I have enjoyed talking with you so much. I was like, I'm not going to lie. Total went fanboy As soon as you replied on Instagram, I was like, yes. I'm like so fucking excited. Uh, and I just admire who you are, everything that you stand for, everything that you do. And I want you to know that I unequivocally, 100% have your back and I will slap any motherfucker that comes your way. I will give listen I keep my pimp hands strong for a reason. And uh I'm on your team. I'm unequivocally on your team. And anyone who knows me and supports me and supports this podcast is on your team. And if you are listening to this podcast and you don't want to be on her team, you can unsubscribe, you can delete the episode, you can email me and I will take you off the sticker club and I will no longer send you the fabulous stickers. But anyone and everyone as far as I'm concerned, we sh- we're on your team. We want to see the rock climbing world get better because if it's better for you, it's better for me, and if it's better for you and me, it's better for every fucking person. For sure, yeah. Well,
0: thank you. You're Feel welcome. The same way, you know. I think one of the things people, I think, sometimes lose sight of is both of us are in a, in communities additional um, to to our main identity. Yeah. That overlap and intersect every other identity. Oh, yeah. Being trans and queer, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are in the world, someone in your community is trans and queer. Just like someone like having a disability can affect any race, religion, oh, it doesn't gender. Matter. Yeah. And there are very few, like, those are two of the probably only identities that that do that. And so being trans is not just a trans or LGBTQIA issue. It's a black issue. It's a brown issue. It's a white issue. It's a Christian issue, a Muslim issue, whatever it might be. Like, it's a part of every community. Mm-hmm. And we have to do better in every community to support everyone we're all interconnected like you said like we
2: the issues that affect us while i'm specifically trans and queer
0: like you said by supporting black lives matter and black people and aapi people right now it's protecting my community it's making me safer as well yeah and we all have to step up and do more together,
1: if people want to find you, support you, or just get in touch with you, how should how, uh what median or how do you prefer that to be done?
0: um Instagram is probably the, i don't know I'm having issues with social media no i, Where, I like I've, I've I got too addicted to it, I think, yeah, like doom scrolling during the
1: quarantine quarantine yeah but, no um, i I deliberately. Did not get on Twitter. Yeah. I, you know, tooth platform, I did not get on Twitter and I did not get on Pinterest because Pinterest is toxic. I did not know that. I didn't know that. I There's th- a dark side of Pinterest. It's really? like, Oh yeah. It's like the dark side of Reddit. Like Ooh. it's real. Like I was like, I, uh, someone just sent me some stuff and I was like, this is on Pinterest. Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Be careful there.
0: Yeah. I haven't <laughs> looked on Pinterest in a while. Yeah. No. But I, yeah, my um, Instagram, um, Nikki, Nikki, It's Nikki K -K underscore Smith is the main one. I have another account that's my photo one that I don't think will last much longer. But really, why? I'm having a hard time with like managing two different social media accounts. Like I rarely post either of them right now. I've Uh, had a hard time just wanting to post. Yeah,
2: that's
0: Uh, fair. I, I I think I did a lot to hide who i was mm-hmm. and so my other accounts pull photo and that's kind of what i've kind of gone by with my photography mm-hmm. and i think looking back now it was subconsciously just another way to hide who i was and i'm tired of hiding so i'm probably gonna delete that account and just Run with do you. photos and my own stuff on my main one that's my name and who mm-hmm. i am and if people don't like it they can
1: Fuck off! Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I love your photos. I definitely love your portrait work. Oh, I think it's beautiful. Um, I would request that you continue to post your portrait or your your photo work, just because it's beautiful and it is. I don't know. I like seeing people's art. It gives me hope for the universe, um, and so that would be it. But um, yeah. Once again, thank you for your time. You're an amazing human being. All right. Oh,
0: thank you. I appreciate it.
1: I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did recording it and listening to it again. It was truly Honestly, being in her was like sitting in Jupiter's wake. Just being caught in a gravity well of absolute kindness, love, compassion. And the funny part, and this I'm telling you guys now, I'm a big sci-fi nerd. Most of the time when you're caught in a gravity well, you're spiraling down to your doom. But I felt she was just whipping me around her orbit to shoot me back off into the universe, into the galaxy. With a better mindset a better heart, a more tempered soul. I mean, I can get into this all day, but we don't need to start another podcast because we're ending this one. If you enjoyed this, please follow, like, subscribe, leave us a comment. Those things do wonderful things for the algorithm, for getting us out. Join us on the Patreon where you'll hear from me. You can get recaps of the month, recaps of what's going on with me personally, and some occasional early releases of episodes. I want to thank you all for listening to Sends and Suffers podcast. And remember, if you're not suffering, are you really even sending at all?
2: Do not yell